Today's podcast isn't sponsored by anyone, because apparently I have a bad attitude. Me, a bad attitude. I'll tell you who has a bad attitude, all of you. But that won't be a problem after I complete my plan for worldwide domination. Now, where did I put my to-do list? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me today, as always, is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, it is, as ever, extremely exciting to be here. I'm doubly excited this week. Are you doubly excited? Yes. Is that why you're vibrating slightly? Yes. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous. I'm vibrating so fast that I'm, I'm a blur to you. Oh, I assumed you were just multitasking because you, uh, <laughs> when you work so fast, you become invisible. That's but, it. Yeah, um, why are you so excited for us? Because we've got a special guest. Ah, a special guest. Yes. So I guess this week is Mark Langworthy, who is the head of a Red Scar, um, who publishes the Devil's Run RPG and the upcoming Kings of War RPG. And ah, yes. also, he's got a brand new job starting yeah. today. I'm going to let him. Oh. I'm going to let him tell us what that is. Uh, amazingly excited and, and just awesomely honoured to become part of the EM publishing team as the 2000 AD RPG line manager. I know, Woo-hoo. you are the law. Woo-hoo. I am the law. Welcome <laughs> aboard. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but that Thank does mean much. for the rest of the podcast, you have to talk in either a Sylvester Stallone or a Carl Urban Urban voice. Got <laughs> Carl I've just finished watching The Boys, so maybe I'll... Uh, not that oh, one, yeah, not no, that no. Carl Urban <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, are you New Zealand or London? You can make your mind up. So it's a tricky, tricky mix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, fantastic. So if I've got any questions about Judge Dredd or about cars smashing into other cars in the post-apocalyptic wasteland, Mark is the man to talk to. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Should we get on on with some RPG news? I thought we could faff around for another 5, 10, maybe 20 minutes, you know. Frylock, who is, um, I'm trying to find his actual name, where is it? it well, it's an intellectual property lawyer, yes. uh, intellectual yeah. rights chap, who has been making stat blocks, as I understand it. Yeah, um, so he, he does these one-stop stat blocks, and he's got this big yes. PDF, like, crammed full of them. Yes, all the stat uh, blocks you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and uh, he got an email from Wizard of the Coast. Yeah, well, not just an email. Like, it wasn't like just, like, oh, hi, how you doing? Well, it, it was kind of was, really. Worded, it, was it was not sternly, sternly worded. worded. I have oh. received some sternly worded emails from Wizards of the Coast before. This was not a sternly worded email, I I'm telling this you. Was, I thought, this, I thought this, this had a certain cease and desist quality about it. To be it, was, it, was, it was actually quite friendly, I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, oh, right, right. they might get sterner later on, but that first email, I thought, was actually fairly... Yeah, I've seen, I've seen worse, let's okay. just say. Um, but they uh, they asked him to take down his one-stop stat blocks. Yes. Basically because they're saying that the stat blocks are copyrighted and he's just copied them and then whacked his own copyright at the bottom of them. Yes. Uh, so he's an IP lawyer. Yes. And he says they're not copyrightable. Yes. Uh, which is why he's free to use them. Yes. In which case I'm not sure why he stuck his own copyright at the bottom of them. That doesn't make <laughs> <Yeah>. sense. <laughs> oh. What he's trying to copyright is the way it is presented. Right. Because uh, he didn't want other people to use 
unapproved stat blocks because, and my admittedly very limited understanding is, is that he's just going for all the things that are sort of public domain monsters. Mm. I, mean, I could be wrong. So no beholders, I imagine. But no, I, I don't I imagine stuff not. from follows, but that would maybe be. Uh, but I don't know. Can you copyright a hobgoblin? It's an interesting question. Uh, but he's uh, he. So I don't know exactly how he phrased his response to um, Wizard of the Coast. Certainly in his article, he talks about they chose to poke the bear and things like that. So right. he's quite antagonistic in his article. I don't know what his email back was like. I'm going to assume it wasn't quite that antagonistic. But um, he's basically saying no. He's not going to yeah. take them down. And he started a series of three articles yes. where he's explaining why. He's putting forward his legal defence as well yeah, yeah. for Wizards to have a look at. I think that's a, that's a very charitable act of him. Well, it's not like he's being sued. It's just a, it's okay. just a conversation at this point, isn't it? Whether oh, it oh. might amount to that eventually, I don't know. But at the moment, it's just a conversation. Absolutely. They may, um, they may choose not to sue him. Yeah. So... I don't think Wizards of the Coast have actually sued anybody over something like this before. I know TSI used to, but oh. Wizards have, have sent sternly worded emails, but I don't think it's ever gone further than that, to my knowledge, at least. Okay, well, it sounds like it'll be interesting. Um, certainly, like, clarity about that sort of thing will always be welcome, because hmm. no one wants to accidentally infringe on someone's copyright. Yeah, they want to deliberately do it. It's probably, <laughs> I'd imagine it'd be the first test of the OGLs, wouldn't it? As um, if it if it came to court, yeah. I can't see it going that yeah, far, yeah. to be honest. I mean, he's he's planning on three articles. The first one is entitled "The Copyrightability of Stat Blocks." Yeah. Yes. Uh, the second one, "The Copyrightability of Spell Descriptions," mm-hmm. and the third one, which is I think going to be the um, most controversial of them when he comes to do it, mm-hmm. is the damage done to the gaming community and industry by the otherwise ineffectual open gaming licence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, intellectual discussion, intellectual discussion, and the sound of breaking glass and the way drinking <laughs> waving a whiskey bottle and saying, can your mother so Jimmy? I am looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see that one. That's going to be fun. Interesting to see how he presents the argument, definitely. Yeah, the internet's oh, definitely going to explode over it, <laughs> put it that way. Well, the form has some interesting comments. <laughs> <It's really funny. laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I don't know when, I don't know when his next article's coming out, but I'm definitely definitely going to be following this thing. Yeah. yeah in where ter- it in goes. terms of driving traffic, it's absolutely been fantastic for doing so. <laughs> Mark will probably know a bit about this, because Mark also to- works for Modifius. Um, but they've launched the Black... Void RPG. Ooh. Are you familiar um, with this one? No, Mark? I'm not actually. Um, huh. I, I think it's a little bit harsh to expect Mark to know everything that Modifius publishes. <laughs> well, that's that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Canonically, they publish everything. So yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah I kind of um, um, obviously moved on very shortly, but um, kind of. Well, I work remotely as I will be for yourself, Russ. Um, hmm. So I'm not always in the loop of some of the stuff that happens in the office. Um, but definitely not in the loop of this at all. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I'd never heard of it before either until they uh, they announced it. But it says it uh, it takes place in the distant past, uh, oh. and it's both familiar and outlandish in its dark and exotic ambience. Okay, um, they're certainly throwing out a lot of adjectives yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. As Was descendants it dark, black of void, did you say a dark black void? Black void. Uh, Is it black void? Right. Black okay. void. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cover's got. Let me call that up. The cover's got this kind of. I can't quite make it out. It's quite small. Let me see if I can enlarge that. 
Is it quite dark? It's a black cover, but it's got what looks like a humanoid figure with tentacles. It is quite small, and I can't seem to enlarge it. So the tentacles are a humanoid figure wearing a dress with lots of ribbons on it. One of those two things. <laughs> okay, so it's either like an Lifid or a Morris dancer. Yes. One of those two things. Yeah. <laughs> They're very easily confused. I now, why, why has nobody launched a Morris dancing RPG? I'm pretty mm. sure it's powered by the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wasn't it one of our Kickstarters last year? Was um, it? Actually, I think no. it might have been, yeah. yeah. It, it could well have been. There's been a lot. No, I don't think it has. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so tell, tell me more about Black Void. You want to know what more it? about it? Yeah, like what? So you said you've given me like a lot of information, but no information uh, content. Okay, let me call it back up again. I'm just so trying to find it. any news on it at all, anyway. It's on the uh, landing page, right? Oh, I have to see this Morris dance. I have to see this Morris dancing uh, Cthulhu identity <laughs> now. Got it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It, yeah, that's uh, a Google search. Oh, okay. Uh, was telling me something about a Kickstarter last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I think that's the same one. Oh, how exciting. Oh, if I just... Oh, uh, someone's... Is that, is that Hudson eating something again? Yes. So a dark fantasy tabletop role-playing game about the fall and resurgence of humanity. Oh, is this a third party there? They're helping to distribute. Yeah, it's not using the 2D20 system. It says it uh, uses an original rule set. Yeah, it looks like yeah. Blackford Games are a uh, publishing house. You're right, okay. Uh, so it's okay. probably a... So it's one, it's, one, it's one of the things that Modibius is distributing rather than, yeah. rather than writing yeah. them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I am liking the artwork. It's got sort of a vaguely semi-realistic slash painted style. Mm. It looks very um, b- b- third edition D&D to me, um, but it's got some very interesting looking monsters, and it, it seems to have quite a strong uh, sort of Arabian flavour to it, I want to say. There's a lot of people wearing flowing robes. Uh, there's a chap wearing quite a distinctive, what I call a Saracen hat, mm. which is... Um, Essentially, it's like a helmet with a spike on, and it's got a turban wrapped around it. Okay. Well, they appear to be using a halberd and shield, uh, and that's not going to go super well for them, especially considering it's fighting something the size of a small house with extra tentacles for a face. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, the Kickstarter did very well. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. That, that made a lot of money, didn't that? Um, how much did the Kickstarter make? 300. Over 310. Sorry, yes, no, that's cool. Um, 320,000 Danish kroners. I'm not sure how much that translates. I don't know what that is, no. Well, we we, we can find out that. Alexa, what's 310 Danish kroner in pounds? It said 37 pounds. I don't think that's right. I, I, I think you're probably wrong there, I think it's 37,000 pounds. Maybe. Uh, just on the old faithfulxe.com. Uh, so, about, yeah, about 40,000 pounds in total. Yeah, bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Quite tasty. Yeah, so uh, decent size for a pretty much unknown Kickstarter. And now Modifius has picked a book who's going to distribute them. Yeah. Mm. It looks quite pretty, I have to say. Um, don't know too much about it, but yeah. Uh, should, be, should be should be quite a good one. One to watch, perhaps. Mm. Hey. Uh, what, 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 what do you think, Mark? Oh, definitely. I'd, I'd like the kind of ostrich dinosaur crossover character as well. There's some deliciously dark mm. artwork there. Who doesn't want to play an ostrich? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ostrich oh, man. That's my, that's my new D&D race. Two weeks ago, we had Kevin Culp and uh, like, f- full, like giant velociraptors with ray guns. So yeah, that's true. I think, that is uh, true. 
Uh, I, I think um, an ostrich velociraptor hybrid is really dialing back the weirdness. I think. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else we got in the uh, Do you want to see some more D&D Greek-themed stuff? Because clearly there isn't more enough D&D. of that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what would this be, the fourth, fifth game system? Something like that. I've lo- specifically I've lo- Greek-themed I've D&D. lost track. Um, okay. but, in the but last this, year alone. Yeah. It, well, this one's an adventure path rather than a game. Okay. <gasps> oh... Ah, uh, it's it got a sort of a picture of um, a Medusa slash Gorgon on the front. Yes, mothers something. Mother no. of monsters. Mother of monsters. Yes, ah, that uh, actually came across my. Uh, that actually came across my radar. I was like, oh yes, that looks good. Look, Mike Myler is involved with it amongst many, ah. many, many other people. Obviously, Mike yeah. is um, the person who runs um, Insider Magazine. Yes, for EM Publishing. So I've got a slight interest in it just because someone I know is on it, but. Um, mm-hmm. That that aside, there's a hot. It's got they've got a load of different writers and illustrators and all sorts of people there. Well, it's a very ambitious project that they're yeah. taking. What's it? One to fifteen or something like that? No, one. Yeah, one yeah, to fifteen. Uh, one one to fifteen. A, yeah, but, uh, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a lot of D and D that they've got going. Uh, three hundred and fifty pages. Sorry, three hundred and fifty pages. Oh, it's a nice. big, it's a big thick book. Yeah, and it's an adventure Greek themed adventure path. So, um, yeah. yeah. Looks awesome, to be honest. I might, I might back that one. Uh, yeah, w- wouldn't be a bad choice. Uh, it's broken into sort of a modular theme, mm-hmm. so that if you're playing a game involving islands, which I think quite a few might well do, <laughs> then you should be able to pick it up and slot it in. But yeah, so uh, it's not, not, not a. Oh yes, I think it had some. It's got some like custom-made classes that they want to implement, mm-hmm. like uh, hot flights and. Uh, phalanx people and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no demigods. Yeah, yeah. All, all the art looks lovely. Yeah. It's really, mm. really nice yeah. art. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this art. Nice. Art, art is something that makes yeah. you click through on. I mean, that image of Sarah yeah. is, is epic. Yeah. Mm. No, art, art is always important. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's got 26 days to go. Yep. And let's have a look. It's 25. Let's have a look. All right. So ten dollars for the PDF. Yep. Uh, $25 for the Adventure Path PDF and the Campaign Guide p- campaign guide PDF. The Campaign Guide? Campaign, okay, campaign. campaign Guide. Campaign Guide. <laughs> You're not going to try and change the world's pronunciation on this one. Uh, shout, I like it. Yeah. For the print version, you're talking $75. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Uh, I, am, I am tempted, but when does the Kickstarter end? Uh, in 26 days. 26 days. Uh, okay. Saturday, September the 14th. Okay. Next right. item in the news then. Yes. Uh, Monty Cook Games. Oh, have a new yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah. It's called Liminal Shores. Don't, don't, can, I, can I guess? I that? assume that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Is it, an, is it a new want? version of uh, their core rule set? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a new Numenera. <laughs> it's a new, new Numenera. It's three source books. For Numenera. <laughs> oh, I wasn't too far wrong. Three sources. Yeah, so it's a Kickstarter. It launched a couple of days ago. It's yeah. already almost got two hundred thousand dollars. Nice. Uh, with twenty-five days to go, so this is going to be at least a quarter of a million, probably half a million, which Ooh. Monty Cook Games tends to do. Yeah. Good work, Monty. Yeah. Um, so this is three source books for Numenera. Yeah. Uh, one of them's called Voices of the Data Sphere. 
Um, so the data sphere is a new aspect of gameplay where characters interface and explore the reaches of a strange new meta space. Oh, okay. An ancient alien data network. Interesting. Yeah. Then there's Liminal Shore, which looks like it's a new continent on Numenera, from what I can make out. Okay, right. And then there's Edge of the Sun, while people are asking, oh. why does the Ninth World even exist? Because a billion years from now, the Sun should have eaten up the Earth, yet it hasn't. Mm. Right. Presumably they found some sort of an extension program or something. Who knows? Oh, Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have we got any like splashes of the cover art or anything like that? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous production value by Monty Cook again, isn't it? So what was it called Shores of the Liminal or something? The Liminal it? Shores. Yeah, there we go. Because uh, there was just uh, recently a um, a British RPG called Liminal came yeah. out and that was doing quite well critically. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it won an Emmy as well. Yes, did it win an Emmy, Liminal? Oh, did Lemon win an Emmy? I don't remember. My um, Yeah. Ah, well, that would be very good. A uh, chap from Sheffield, as I recall, uh, wrote it. We acquired the copy through various means and um, uh, gave it away at the club using the kind sponsorship from Ian World. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a very Wusha sort of style front cover, I feel. It's like very dynamic um, action, people jumping in. Chap with a ludicrously oversized... Two blades, but both the blades are on the uh, same side. Um, no, no, we're not frozen. I don't know. Have you frozen? No, I'm Mark? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you're back. Uh, you're back. Okay. Uh, I, I'm just going to carry on with my description. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if. Um, um, and, uh, sorry, Pete. It's sort of a. Yeah, it's like a, it's sort of an alien, like, but it, in the film style, mm. alien with a, I like with a space. With a spaceship. On with the news. Yes, on with the news. The creator of RuneQuest, uh, Steve Perrin, has rejoined Chaosium to work as a creative consultant. Exciting stuff. I had to look this one up. Um, A little bit out of touch with Chaosium's... Tell us more. Uh, Yeah, so I'm a little bit out of touch with Chaosium's um, products, really. I've I've seen Call of Cthulhu very well. Uh, Grew up as a staple on my table, but... Um, Chloranthor and RuneQuest aren't places that I've, I've visited, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I was quite, uh, but yeah, I was quite, this just crossed my, uh, periphery in the news, really, and I had to kind of maybe pause and go and look it up. Yeah. Never, never connected the, the creator of it to, to the system, but, or the setting before. Well, so RuneQuest was like one of the first, I think it was the first D100 system. Yep. Oh, okay. And it's passed through different owners over the years. Um, Avalon Hill and Mongoose Publishing, and then Ooh. Moon Design Studios, and then they merged with Chaosium. Ooh. And then there was a RuneQuest Kickstarter a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly. It was quite a big Kickstarter. Yeah, yep, sounds familiar. And uh, Steve Perrin was involved with that. And right. uh, now now it looks like he's returning to Chaosium to work with them, I guess, on uh, on more RuneQuest stuff. Right, okay. Um, so, fantastic news for RuneQuest fans out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, good times. Looks like it. Uh, what else What else we got in the news then? Uh, there is the Lost Omens character guide from Paizo. Yes. Um, so, Paizo's renamed Galarian the Age of Lost Omens, yep. which is a much better well, name, which... Well, well the world's still called Galarian, but the setting's now called the Age of Lost Omens. Okay. 
And this right. Lost Omens character guide uh, has three new ancestries races, mm-hmm. uh, plus new yeah. heritages and ancestry mm-hmm. feats, and it's, it's basically a whole load of um, player options. Basically, it's the must-have book if you're a player wishing to play Pathfinder Two. Yeah, what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. basically, it's got all oh, those extra options and like little fiddly details that you can use to customise your characters even more than in the base book. Yeah, and they've got some example feats. They've got, like, the uh, the tailed goblin. If you want to be a goblin with a tail. A monkey goblin. Uh, an ancient elf. Right. Uh, if you're a dwarf, you can have an elemental heart. Okay. Choose from one of the following types. Acid, cold, electricity, or fire. Imagine having an acid mm. heart. Yeah, that would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? It would a little bit, yeah. What, is, is your blood acid? I don't I know. So, like, I don't know, you just sort of you know, bite yourself oh. and, like, use that as an improvised lock pick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very. So, yeah. yeah. These are xenomorph the, dwarfs. Yeah. Xenomorph dwarf. Even rhymes. It's amazing. <laughs> xenomorph dwarf. They're, they're in the room. Oh, oh well, that's going to be some ideas for uh, a game I'm running later this evening. Xenomorph dwarfs. <laughs> Um, we got a new article up on a couple of new articles up on EN World from D and D luminaries. Yes. Uh, one is uh, from Jonathan Tweet, who talks about his life with the open game license, and he talks about you know how uh, when Wizards of the Coast purchased Dungeons and Dragons and TSR all those years ago, uh, how they brought in the uh, OGL uh, and Ryan Dancy's plans at the time. So it's quite an interesting little sort of retrospective going back to that yeah. time. Well, that's quite yeah. a surge in popularity. And then the other yeah. column is from the one and only Ed Greenwood, created The Forgotten Realms. And he's yeah. writing about the origins of the character Mert the Moneylender. Yes. And how he came up with the character and, and stuff like that. That sounds like, uh, sounds like it'll be a worthy read for all people who are fans of D&D history. Hmm. So we've got <laughs> some big, big, big D&D news. Two big, big D&D newses. We have multiple big D&D newses. Or, or is it the announcement of the yeah. trailer of the preview of the news? It's, it's an important difference. <laughs> well, one of them is uh, an appearance on Amazon of an upcoming book. And the well, other is a... Do appearance? Or is this just part of the unofficial D&D-like um, hype generation by letting Amazon accidentally... Sorry, accidentally, in inverted commas, uh, spill their latest things coming online? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, f- well first of all, we got a new Unearthed Arcana. Oh, okay. More and we haven't material. had one of those Exciting. since May, I think. They so did say they were going to slow down the pace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is... It's only three pages. It's two okay. subclasses. One for the Barbarian called Path of the Wild Soul. And okay. one for the Monk called Way of the Astral Self. Mm, interesting. It's pretty so those short. Are quite spiritually yeah. themed, really. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we got we got more D and D news. We got even even bigger D and D news. Are you ready even for the big, bigger. big, big, big D and D news? I'm not sure I can stand the excitement. I bet you already know what it is, don't you? Uh, I might. Do. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool to see. <laughs> uh. Oh, go on then, Peter. Why don't, why don't you tell us what it is? Oh. Is it that they're releasing an adventure pathway for Eberron? Or like a splat book or something for Eberron? Is that uh, it? A campaign setting, in fact. Yeah. A campaign setting? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they'd already released the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. But yeah, like a, this is some new 
Oh, crikey, I think it's like $70 book or something like that. Uh, $49.99. Um, oh, okay, $50. No, um, uh, I know listener Lee Donovan is very excited about this news. Um, and would love to hear all like, the inside goss that we have about it. Uh, we don't really know any more than he does right now, I guess. Uh, basically, it's appeared, <laughs> on, yeah. Yeah. it's appeared on Amazon. It's called <laughs> Eberron Rising from the Last War. Yeah, It's coming in November, November the 19th. Yeah. It's forty nine ninety nine, yeah, uh, and it's a it's a campaign source book rather than than, uh, than an adventure. So it's more like uh, what was the one last year? Uh, Wayfinder's Guide. To no, Wayfinders. the campaign setting, the one set on that oh. big city. What's it called? The one set on that big city. Yeah. Are you trying to talk about Waterdeep? No, no. The the setting. It was like a Magic the Gathering. Oh, world. Ravnica. Ravnica. Yes, yes. Guildmaster's Guide yeah. to Ravnica. There we go. The Ravnica. The that's magic it. Yeah. Ravnica. Right. Tra- translating from Morrow to <laughs> Ravnica. Yes. I don't know. I don't know why I blanked skills. on the name. <laughs> yeah. So it's more in that vein. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So um, probably got a fair amount of detail about Eberron, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah. Quite an interesting well, I, find, I find that first bullet point oh, quite interesting. I wonder if that means... It says, basically, dive straight into your pulp adventures with easy-to-use locations, complete with maps, floating cities, skyscrapers, and more. But the pulp adventures makes me kind of curious. Have they made any tweaks to the rules at all? Um, uh, let's have a look. Uh, I don't think you necessarily have to do that much tweaking. Um, I have actually been playing, because I'll say... Uh, one of our listeners is a fantastic GM who has been running a sort of Eberron in yeah. a noir fashion, which it really lends itself well to. But I could equally see with all these mm. airships and um, magical trains and so forth, that it would definitely lend itself well to uh, yeah. pulp adventure with, with a large amount of like hanging off the side of a train, trying to like shoot your pistol crossbow at someone, or, or a trip caster, which is like a magic wand. Um, that shoots like little yeah. firebolt spells, but everyone can yeah. use it. So yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Um, I think there's definitely a place in any game for like uh, having like a running gun battle across the top of a train while shooting like little fireball yeah. spells at something. Just as a just we, we, and of course where you've got the uh, train uh, bridge. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> a bridge comes along, it's like ah, yeah. let's throw themselves down. Um, I think that'd be amazing. But anyway, hmm. uh, yes, and everyone will so- of course do that quite nicely. Yes. Well, this book has it has the artificer mm-hmm. class in it. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Um, it has sixteen new race and sub race options, including dragon marks. Um, oh, okay. It has Brilliant. a marks, new yeah. yeah a new game element they're calling a group patron, which is a background for the entire party. Oh, okay. So what I'm hearing here is Mr. Johnson and D and D does shadow run. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, there's a there's an adventure in there as well for characters venturing into the Mornland, a miscloaked, corpse-littered land twisted by magic. Yes, yes. Um, for those who uh, aren't aware, there were like seven kingdoms like in this world, and one of them has exploded in a mysterious fashion. Nobody really knows that much about it, but it has led to like, essentially a whole kingdom full of, um, well, um, wreckage, uh, mysterious places one would delve into. There may even be dragons in there. Who can say? Mm. I guess uh, there are some arcane yeah. creations running around. Certainly, lots like of. A mm. uh, mock is definitely how those arc- creation, arcane creations roll. Um, like, there's, I, I, we, we've been having trouble with Warforge, which are basically steel golems that are just running around and um, 
I, we found one that had assassinated people and was clinging on the underside of the bridge. And the only reason I found it was because my character was, <laughs> and was like, oh, they, 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 there's rope marks. Well, I should follow it and see what happens. Take a rope, jump off the side of the bridge. Oh, I was expecting to just like end up on the end of the rope like the world's most angry yo-yo. And then it's like, I'm looking at this Warforged man, Kit's looking at me. <laughs> we're like, well, this is awkward. Roll initiative. And away we go. <laughs> yes. Sorry. So, yes, that, 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 that is quite exciting. So, um, I only found out about this morning. So, super topical fresh. Hmm. Good times. Uh, one last bit of news, and then we're done. Uh, yeah. tra- Trail Seeker, which is our Pathfinder 2 Patreon, has a brand new article called New Skill Uses. So if you head on over to um, patreon.com forward slash trailseeker, um, there's an article which brings new and updated uses for athletics, crafting, deception, diplomacy, intimidation, survival, and thievery. Is, it, is this for Pathfinder 1st edition or Pathfinder 2nd edition? Pathfinder 2nd edition. Trailseeker is now exclusively 2nd edition. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Well, that's exciting times. Yes. New, yeah. new, new skill uses. Well, it's only been out since Gen Con. That's only about three weeks. <laughs> well that is true yeah and uh, it, it, but expanded skill uses i'm sure and having like a bit of codification uh, could be very interesting for people so yeah, yeah. Uh, oh right are we are we done oh. with the news yes i think we are uh, yeah yeah well we were just mentioning that obviously ian world has put up a brand new forum for uk role-playing um, so that's uh, that's exciting, and I'm hoping more people get on that. Sure. I think it's basically Speaking. just you that's posted in it. So far, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's a of, if you have a look, there's, it's more than just me. I I, I did the lead post, but that's because you told me about it yeah. personally, yeah. like about midnight. I was like, oh, I should probably post something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. Our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Should we play our favourite game in all the world? Oh, our favourite game in all the world ever, where we guess the Kickstarter for just the title alone. That's the game, yeah. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the title alone. Mark, are you familiar with this game? No. It is the best game in all the world. <laughs> yeah. <so laughs> I'm <right>. intrigued. Uh, <laughs> were you listening to the title? Because all the rules are in the title. Yes, I know, yeah. it's true. <laughs> so what's going to happen is right. I'm going to read out the name of a Kickstarter, yep. and you've got to yep. guess what that Kickstarter is, based on <laughs> solely based on the name. Okay. And then I yes. then I give you some highly scientifically calculated points, and we see uh, we see which of the two of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so um, if you do two each, I'll let Peter start first, and then you can see how it works. Yes. Okay then. Peter, are yes. you ready? What is yes. Wranglers of West Hallow? <laughs> That's interesting. Mm, well, obviously, Hallow is a bit of blessed ground, um, or a way to bless something, rather. Um, Wranglers of West Hallow, this makes me think of some sort of cowboy-esque related thing, wherein one plays cowpokes, I shall describe them as such. And they're riding around, um, doing solving mysteries and so forth um, in West Hallow, which is an area which, because it's using the word West, evokes um, unknown and mysterious uh, boundaries, as opposed to if it was East, where it would be like talking about ancient and potentially Oriental um, like sort of themes. So, if we're going to go on just the name alone, I'm going to say 
you ride horses, probably, I'm going to say 90% chasing cows and uh, solving with uh, bizarre mysteries in a sort of a wilderness area called West Hollow. Hmm. Pretty good. Uh, the only thing you missed from that is that it's for D&D 5e. Oh, that oh. went well. So. <laughs> no, <fair enough>. Everything's <laughs> a uh, So it says Wranglers Rest West 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 Wranglers of West, West. Hallow is a rooting, yep. tooting, yeehaw, Wild West D and D 5e adventure book with focus on light-hearted comedic fun. I see. I shall have to get a ten-gallon hat for my fun. I do actually like the look of this. Uh, it says West Hallow is a town like no other, thanks to a clockwork construct gone haywire. And a mysterious yee-hawing gunslinger-shaped spirit, the good people of West Hallow have been subject to a radical shift in culture. Hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to back uh, that one. I like that. <laughs> oh, I think that's a very solid choice. Yeah. Uh, get, get that going. Uh, and to be fair, a lot of the stuff from the Masterclass Codex, Touch More Class, Touch More Class, will fit right in. Yeah. Not just the gunslinger, but yeah, all the, occ- all the occultists, maybe even the noble. Mm. I'd give you a 6 out of 10 for that, Peter. I like, I like the light-hearted artwork as well. Yeah, it looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right then, the next one. This one's for you then, Mark. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. All right then. Uh, this one is called Dusk to Midnight. Dusk to Midnight. Uh, I'm going to say it's a post-apocalypse RPG. Um, maybe based around an alien invasion or some sort of Perfect entity tearing itself through and and ending the world. Um, hmm. You're sort of in the right area. It's definitely sci-fi. Am I am I too narrow? Is it kind of more epic in scope? Space. I don't operate? want to give you too many clues. <laughs> <laughs> put, put your fishing line away. Put your fishing line away. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that's to midnight. Uh, it's our favourite game in all the world. The one that's so easy. <laughs> Uh, has risk and a test, <laughs> yes. having been on Shane Stacks okay, and let, having it through on it. Let's go more ground than space opera theme then. So maybe it's kind of the end of civilization out in the solar system where um, maybe the sun has died out, um, which has affected the, uh, the spread of, across the solar system, um, caused the collapse of some post apocalyptic solar system setting. I'm going to risk 5e again. Mm. Sounds exciting. Um, okay. It sounds, it sounds super grim, yeah. I've got to say. No, no, no sun is maybe, a, maybe, is a, is a yeah, big Maybe some alien entity harvested the energy from the sun. Mm. Well, you're right in that it's sci-fi, but then yeah. I told you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No <laughs> uh, oh. Other than that, unfortunately, you got zilch. <laughs> Hit me then. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a GMless... Tabletop RPG, oh. an original system, oh. not 5e, and it's about doomed oh. mech soldiers in a losing war. Nice. Okay. It says it's a game about relationships, both with your fellow yep. soldiers and with the war itself. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's quite interesting. It says, in Dust to Midnight, your characters will lose the war they have been fighting for who knows how long, but it doesn't have to be a tragedy. There's a certain kind of calm in the knowledge that as a player, your fate is fixed. Okay. So it's basically you're, you're, you're doomed, but that doesn't necessarily mean death? But it says it lets, your, it lets players create interesting stories that let their characters be vulnerable and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough. 
Oh, that sounds like uh, quite quite an interesting yeah, space to play in. I'd give it a pun, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah, I reckon uh, one point for getting that it's sci-fi, but that's about <laughs> it there, I'm afraid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Completely off the reservation. But Peter, 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 the next one for you is, uh, what is the Hope RPG? H-O-P-E, Hope. Okay, the Hope RPG. Mm. Yes. Well, what do you think, Monty? He thinks purr. <laughs> he seems happy. Uh, the Hope RPG. Um, hmm. Ba, ba, ba. Well, I'm going to say it's an original system. I think it will... I think it's going to be a bit more sophisticated than Powered by the Apocalypse basic sort of storytelling. So it's going to have a bit of crunch to it. I think it is... It's clearly got to be a game about hope, but what hope means to different people can be very variable. I think it might be... I'm going to take a bit of a punt here. What I would like to see is something where they're basically doing Babylon 5, but they couldn't get the rights. So it's sort of like the last best hope um, of humanity, and uh, you're playing people who are... um, trying to in fact no i'm gonna say actually more of a storytelling game and you're playing people who uh have to face like some sort of situation with incredible odds so potentially it's got sort of a fiasco vibe to it and um you're trying to uh overcome these problems to get to the end of it so it's like probably like a play through it in a single session sort of jazz no I'll give you a point for getting that it's an original system, Woo. but you lost a thousand points for for the forty-five minute <laughs> monologue of. <laughs> um, so you're at minus nine hundred ninety-nine points there for that one. Uh, oh, well, he's killing. It's a post-nuclear apocalypse base-building RPG. Post. Okay, yeah. So a bit like yeah. Year Zero. How does it differ? Uh, the goal of the game is to set out into the decimated wastelands and grow the Hope Township, so Hope is a place, into a flourishing place. Okay. Uh, um, the provided map covers a vast stretch of area, uh, central Canada to central Mexico, and you take charge of the common people of Hope and lead them through dangerous radioactive wastelands, pit them against foul mutated beasts, and ride off into the hazy sunset. Mm-hmm. So obviously completely different from what I said. <laughs> Maybe important respects. <laughs> okay, so last one. This one's for Mark. Last one. Go Mark, on. Mark, do it. What is Mage Anomia? Mage Anomia. Mage Anomia. M A G O N O M I A. My wizard's got no nose. How does it smell? <laughs> Awful. No, it's not no. It's not G N. It's G O N. M a g o n o m i a m o. Sorry, we're just trying to work out how yeah, to write it down. M a g m a g o n o m i a. Metronomia. That's what I said. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm <laughs> because well, I can think of Mister Miyagi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Is it the Karate Kid RPG now? <laughs> Um. <laughs> and if not, why? Yeah. 
Um, okay. I'm going to go for a role-playing game supplement, systemless supplement, Ooh. introducing different, uh, purely based on how we pronounce the name, different mage schools, um, academia, places, um, universities, types of learning in in various settings. Um, so kind of a collection of plug-and-play elements for, for various settings would be my mm. guess. Uh, what it is, is it's a fate-powered oh, RPG, okay. uh, an RPG of Renaissance wizardry. And you're kind of right with the different schools. Uh, um, you, you play a wizard and you wield one of these um, different, different types of magic, alchemy, astrology, sorcery, theurgy, or witchcraft. Yeah. And it's setting in a, a sort of enchanted England setting. Sounds Ooh. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. Uh, yeah, it says uh, uses legends, folk tales, and literature like uh, the Witches of Macbeth, the Fairies of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Enchanted England is a world of wonders and perils ripe for adventure. Mm. Ooh. Actually, uh, yeah. actually quite interesting, I think. Yeah, that sounds fun. Looking, I mean, you know, I enjoy fate, but I've been looking for an excuse to kind of take it to the table myself, and I think I'd definitely use it as a basis. I've never... Right, so uh, that's it for our favourite game in all the world, but I did want to mention one other Kickstarter, just because it looks quite interesting to me. Um, oh, yeah, it's yeah. called Epic Legacy Campaign Codex 5th Edition Beyond 20th oh. Level. Well, that's quite a good name. I'm hoping that's a way to increase the ranks of your characters from 20th to... 21st and above and that let you do something a bit more than having epic exactly boons Exactly what it is. You go up to 30th level, in fact. Uh, through the awesome power of epic prestige classes that complement every base class. Uh, the Kickstarter's doing pretty well. It's got 822 backers as I look at it yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, it's coming up to $45,000. Well and truly funded. Mm. Uh, with with, with about a week to go. Hmm. So that will only be a couple of days if you're listening yeah, to the podcast. Yeah, by the time this comes, comes out on Wednesday, there'll be about four days to yeah. go. Which means it finishes on what, uh, Sunday? Uh, no, it ends on Monday, August the 26th, next Monday. Ah, clearly they're Kickstarter pros. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. <laughs> uh, right, that's, that's, that's it for our favourite game in all the world. It's the middle of the night. Your campfire is burning low and the rest of the party is asleep. As you stand watch, you hear a rustling in the bushes. Uh, I'll um, ooh, draw my sword and uh, yeah, I'll shine my lantern towards the noise. The leaves part and from the foliage emerges a monstrosity. Seven feet tall, it has the body of a bear and the head of an owl. Really? The body of a bear and the head of an owl? Did somebody get their Lego sets mixed up? It's no joking matter. It advances on you menacingly, wicked claws glinting in the firelight. You know, bears are scary. How does giving it an owl head make it more scary? Oh, maybe it can rotate its head or something. I mean, what would such a creature even be called? Bear, body, owl, head. Well, you've never seen one before. I guess it's up to you. Hmm, body of bear, head of owl. Bear, owl. Bear, owl. Bear owl. I hear my nameless creature a bear owl. Hmm. I would like to note for the record, this is a ridiculous creature. I'm sure you just made it up. No, no, it's right here in the monster manual. What, really? You mean like that 10-foot cube of gelatinous jelly you introduced last week? Yeah, that's a gelatinous cube. 
classic D&D monster. What do you take me for? Bear owls? Gelatinous cubes? I'm not that gullible. I mean, some of the monsters you invent are just silly. I remember the duck bunny, the stench cow with a K, spider horse, thought eater, the flail snail, the flump, and the mimic, as if I'd believe those are real D&D monsters. But they are. Every one of them. Yeah, right. Next you'll be telling me moon rats and growl and the friggin' hippocampus are really in the books too. But, but they are. Look, I'm not making this up. I remember that roving mauler. What, a giant starfish with five cartwheeling lion legs and two heads? Come on. That's in the Tome of Magic from 2006. I have that book right here. Listen, mate, I need you to take this game seriously. I can't deal with all these comedy monsters. Sounds like you're going to have a tantrum when I introduce 1994's sentient stack of dirty laundry. The Ragamuffin from City of Splendours. Or the giant four-legged parrot-headed Akirai from 1981's Fiendfolio. If I see one more monkey bee. Surely you can't mean Monster Manual Thor's... Monster Man... Ahem. Surely you can't mean Monster Manual Thor's Howler Wasps. I call it as I see it, mate. Now... Back to this bear owl. What's it doing? Well, it's hung its head in shame and shuffled off despondently. Its very existence ridiculed and called into question. You have mentally scarred it for life. It will spend the rest of its days with a crushing sense of its own ridiculousness, wishing that you'd simply slain it that night at the campfire. It will never be able to show its stupid owl face at the weekly monster social again. You monster. And now I think it's probably time to start talking about Mark. Oh, oh. hello. Let's ask the important questions like, Mark, what's your preferred role-playing game system? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, three tattoos of Werewolf the Apocalypse, so I'll, I'll definitely go for that. Um, that, that. That seems like you're, like, quite committed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm quite, oh, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Pathfinder and D&D in its various situations and the staple of our table as a group for years. Um, yeah, but I yeah. very much prefer story driven. So, as a as a GM, right then. So um, you you uh, the head honcho over a Red Scar. Yes, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And Ooh. Red Scar. How long has Red Scar been around? Uh, so we've actually been around as a company for four, nearly five years now. Yeah. Um, and it kind of nice. just started as a as a platform for me to be uh, creative. Really, you know, having been involved in role playing mm. games to some degree mm. for. Mm-hmm quarter of a century or more now um, yeah, I kind of thought oh yeah I'm obviously seriously qualified to be able to go and turn my hands and make some money from it uh, <laughs> it's been a steep learning curve since then so yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I kind of established it myself but I'd worked with a Canadian artist at the time and we were working on some homebrew uh, Pathfinder adventure packs mm. uh, yeah it was a platform for us to be able to do that um, yeah and that that's, that's, to that's me, the way so many companies start isn't it yeah absolutely yeah, and then it led to me freelancing to Modiphius and it grew from there into into actually being an employee. Uh, yeah. uh, and now there's a fantastic Ooh. opportunity with yourself. Yeah, amazing yeah. opportunity. Fantastic. Totally. <laughs> do you find out just how bad it is? <laughs> <laughs> you did see the invisible ink bits in the contract, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> the bits in white, white ink. I'll try not to say it as no one in the first book is cursed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, come, you just rest. Sure, sure, you're keeping it all under, like, um, on the microfiche, under, like, one of the dots <laughs> yeah. on the eye somewhere. 
<laughs> uh, so Devil's Run, the quick start came out recently. Yeah, it's actually been out for a while. Um, but I managed. Yeah, we we're pretty we we're pretty excited about that because it sounded pretty, like a lot of fun, Mad Max style, big cars racing through a desert. Yeah. Um, shenanigans. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we mentioned it last week, yeah. did we? Was it the week before? I can't remember. Uh, yes, recently. Very yeah, um, and I've had, I've, yeah. I've had a, a, a good read through it, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of that genre anyway. Yeah, uh, like Mad Max, and especially Fury Road and stuff like that yeah. is is amazing. Mm. And I can sort of think I can see some 2000 AD in there as well. Um, to be honest, I mean, it, uh, so Devil's Run is um, Mark Rapp's that word for games, maybe he kind of mm-hmm. conceived the the rule set um, from some classic mm. rule sets that you'll probably remember, Car Wars and. Dark Future, that kind of thing. Oh, I have, I have Car Wars. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it was Mark's homage to that, really. Um, and again, we, a lot of that kind of 80s and 90s tongue in cheek, let's, let's, you know, um, Stranger Things is a big thing at the moment, obviously, with that homage to, the, to that era. Um, mm. So there's a lot of, of mm. elements of, of where we draw directly on the 80s and 90s in, in the in the setting itself. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of background for Mark um, on the factions. Um, mm. And Mark just said, mm. it, it, you know, he said, I absolutely love it. How do you fancy making an RPG? And I said, kind of what I do, yeah, let's go and do it. So um, let it all grow mm. from there, really. Yeah. 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 I got to say, the, the, oh, the artwork cool. in that book, yeah. in that PDF of the, of the Quick Start, it's gorgeous. It is just really, really, really nice. Yeah. Um, the, so Do- Dominic is a Polish artist. He's he's kind of moved on now, but he originally did a lot of the artwork. And then, like I say, the, the cover's painted by. Um, the Canadian artist I mentioned briefly just now, Toma. Yeah. Toma. So, I mean, Toma himself has grown into great friends outside of kind of working together. Mm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He's, I, I, he's got a really nice kind of abstract style to his art, which which just yeah. grabs you as well. Yeah. So, w- w- can you sort of like dive into the setting a little bit? So, it's post post a park. I can never say that word. Post a park. Ah. Post post a car park. Post apocalyptic. Post apocalyptic. Yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's set an interminate distance into the future. Yeah, so kind of twenty years after post-apocalypse, uh-huh. and it. Yeah. We've left that timeline a little bit loose. Just you know, uh, time moves on for ourselves, so you'd be able to set it when you'd like to set it, really, rather than set yeah. it happened. Yeah, that also stops that thing of uh, real life actually catching up with yeah. the year that you've. <laughs> you know. And our cyberpunk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh poor side yeah. I mean, there was a time. There was a time when 2000 AD sounded futuristic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so, de- de- Devil's Run, because uh, <laughs> we got this and we got Kings of Water to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Devil's Run. So, uh, the, uh, the the world has been divided into, into a whole bunch of factions. Uh, yeah. Well, not the world. Um, so, the the main game is kind of set around San Francisco. Um, yeah. Which which kind of survived the mm. apocalypse uh, due to a, a secret weapons uh, system they were testing in the area. Mm. Whereas a lot of the rest of North America has been been decimated um, and, yeah. and quarantined by the by the rest of the world, pretty much. So, which is where the the crazy factions come in. They they uh, head out onto the freeways to race for the supplies that were dropped in. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, it, the the game is built around a lot of the tension between the factions around San Francisco and the kind of zaniness they've gone into. So. I mean, we have like the Brit Attack faction who are, who are kind of Texans that are trying to be British and get it horribly wrong. Um, the law who are, who put themselves up as the good guys, but they're basically ex-cons that are, are really horrible to people. Um, Hall's Angels who are, who are kind oh. of post-apocalyptic Hell's Angels that, that really look after each other and, and come oh. across as the good guys uh, underneath oh, okay. it all. 
Uh, yeah, so we just got to have a lot of fun within, uh, you know, expanding from the board game into the role playing game. Mm. To, to build so, what sort of characters would the average player sort of have a choice of playing in this in this system? Um, at its core, we use the two D twenty system, although we do provide the new suede conversion rules as well. Um, but yeah, so two D twenty kind of runs on Some archetypes. Rolls the bench, right? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we took the t- uh, initially when we we were still on the Explorers edition when we kickstarted. Uh, and then later on in the Kickstarter, it became okay. apparent that the new edition of Savage Worlds came out, so we, we delayed the delivery basically to incorporate that. But um, yeah. going back to yeah, going back to the characters. So the archetypes, um, there are six kind of core archetypes where you can be uh, the, the thug. Um, it's not called the thug. You can be the kind of kingpin sort that of runs. Bruiser? Sorry, uh, yes. some sort of bruiser. Yeah. You say no, yeah. not, not a um, yeah. The mm-hmm. uh, the gunslinger who's oh. the shooter. Uh, the kingpin, so you kind of pull the strings in the gang and, and um, get everybody to follow your orders. Um, mm-hmm. the, the driver, so you, spe- you mm. particularly specialise in driving. Um, and then the kind of mm-hmm. fence type, um, who arranges all the um, the gear that gets the items that the group might mm. need to be able to travel from settlement to settlement or you know, get the job done that they've been tasked with. Mm. Supplies being in, um, in short order in the post pockets as they are. Mm. Yeah. I could definitely see the oh, whole Car Wars influence in there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you've got a whole section in the Quick Start, and I assume the full game probably has a more detailed section, but a whole section based on uh, vehicular combat. Yeah. Which is a particular mm. favourite genre of mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's a genre. It's well. a, um, maybe a set of core mechanics or like a, a trope, perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I love I Car Wars. I can't find anyone to play it with me anymore, but I loved Car Wars. And, um, well, I mean, Word Forge, like I said, the board well, game, it has the, the beautiful 20mm, uh, there's a whole range of miniatures created for it, which is why it's great to be able to transport that into the role-playing game. Um, yeah. So we're going to pre- we provide crossover rules Ooh. to hop between two if you want to make it nice and fast cool. and fun. And that's the idea, make it as, as kind of dynamic as possible for people to enjoy yeah. it whichever medium they like uh, you can also just so these, yeah. but these vehicle combat yeah. rules how, how much do they resemble car wars in sort of obviously not the rules themselves but uh, in execution in- um, so in the RPG it's like I said it's Modifus 2 to 20 system um, and they work in yeah. zones it's quite easy to theatre mind it without having to worry too much about positioning and um, whereas mm-hmm. the board game it's yeah it's it's an evolution of car wars obviously um, it's got the rolling road mm-hmm. where you, you, you know you Lift one board and move it to the front. Anything on the rear kind of drops yeah. off. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely oh, homage. That sounds really familiar. Um, are there like like little black plastic wrecked cars, and they're like obstacles um, there getting are in the way? Tokens of things you can add in, but yeah, they're not. It's not the yeah. the kind of yeah. So yeah. I think of car wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, you're very much a story based sort of yeah. designer yourself. Um, what sort of uh, what sort of like length? What sort of arc of stories would you like anticipate people getting um, out of this? So we're actually in. The, I mean, the quick start is kind of an intro to um, a, some free adventures we're looking to give away um, as free PDF downloads, mm-hmm. and that would essentially form a mini campaign around um, oh. a change in leadership in the British attack. Um, oh, okay. So there's going to be a, a basically a, an entire campaign for people to play. For free when when we eventually get it out there, um, and and hopefully at some point I'd love to you know I'd like to revisit this as maybe a future Kickstarter or or um, if Red Scar picks up enough um, in other areas to be able to revisit this and produce other campaign books to play. You know I like to I'm a like I said, I'm a story based player so rather than saying here's a source book on a particular faction I'd like to say 
here's a way to play um, in a campaign and, and you know give people options of um, how to play. Yeah, certainly uh, some localization to the UK could be quite fun. Wow. Uh, I, for one, would like to see cars racing in a death race <laughs> between Doncaster <laughs> and Peterborough on the one stretch. I think, I think that'd be a... Uh, that would definitely yeah. recreate the uh, Friday night feeling. <laughs> Traffic jams <laughs> on the M25. We've had some yeah. amazing. We've had some interesting <laughs> discussions about the state of the UK. So um, I won't. Uh, yeah, that's too much right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really want to play play this game. I'll have to get you a copy of the board game. Okay. It's a genre that I, I've never seen the board game, but I, yeah, I played I play that as well. Yeah. yeah. But I, it's a genre yeah. that I just love. Yeah. I just I just want to play it. Now. <laughs> uh, well. Um, if only you knew someone who yeah, knew that. Yeah, I don't, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you think of anyone, Mark? Somebody might be in Southampton this Friday, Amy. <laughs> we, we could maybe try oh, and do oh, that. Absolutely. We, we, absolutely. So, so this uh, Kings of War thing, uh, look, I had a look at it. it um, it's not the 2D20 system, I noticed. No, it's our own in-house system, uh, which we originally conceived prior to Devil's Run, really. Mm. Um and we we originally planned to use it for Devil's Run, but it just made more sense for us to kind of draw on that uh, momentum that, and that is a pun, I guess, momentum that 2D20 had at the time. Um, and being, a, being an employee, you know, had that direct opportunity to say to Chris, you know, hey, can I license the system? Um, mm. Which he was more than happy to do. Chris is a great guy for, for helping yeah. people uh, get established in the industry. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like the sort of, um, it's a bit like the vampire dice pool where you're rolling against target number but you've got the you managed to work the success of a complication if you exactly hit the target number. Yeah, in there. yeah. Um, and we tried it. So the keywords are, are kind of core of the system, mm. um, and the the idea behind them is that they they give people a kind of tangible uh, couple of words really to draw on their role playing. Um, so in in playtesting, I had a salamander. Somebody's playing salamander um, pop test. Mm-hmm. Um, who has the keyword celebrity celebrity appeal, and they they kind of they knew instantly how to play salamander or how they wanted to play the salamander. So mm. That's the kind nice. of essence behind those as well. Yeah, sort of like a role playing aid yeah. and gives you a bit of a guide as well. Yeah, yeah and a boost within the, in it, the game it, as well. So. Yeah, yeah it, it's 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 simple enough to get a grasp on, but it gives you like a fair amount of uh, depth as in that, the number of choices. you So can we're have. kind of diving into detail without establishing the premise at the moment. How about we <laughs> just uh, we wind a second yeah. and just uh, just in a quick nutshell, uh, what is yeah. Kings yeah. of War? Uh, so Kings of War oh. is. A role playing fantasy role playing game set in Mantic's uh, Mantic Games epic fantasy world, um, and the idea is kind of bridge the, te- the bridge the connection between the the really popular uh, miniatures and and background that's evolved through Kings of War the the tabletop war game um, into mm-hmm. a role for a role playing game. Um, so the kind of idea behind that we came behind that is that we um, through campaigns again and, and stories enable the players to become the kind of own powers in certain territories or within the campaign so they, they grow in however that works out they might become the king or the queen or they might become a political power or just the movers and shakers and, and legends in the world mm-hmm. um, and let them grow into the kind of own epic and this is coming to Kickstarter soon yes yeah, so uh, you get the official date the official announcement of the date uh, we're going live on the 27th Ooh. next Tuesday so Ooh, exciting yes. exciting uh, exciting <laughs> Oh, we actually have to do that on this podcast. <laughs> that doesn't sound like us. It, it's unlike us, but we're yeah. still good, so thank, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Sure. So how are you feeling about that? Excited? Nervous? Very nervous, yeah. Um, I have a great team that's supporting me, yeah. um, mm. from mm. Helen, my partner, who's kind of been here through thick and thin since the start of Red Scar, mm. really, um, mm. through to a very good friend of mine from Odivius, um, Gary Harper, who's kind of helping with the, 
uh, marketing aspect alongside a, a, a couple of the other mm. guys, um, uh, just to hopefully get the word out there. And we're, we're coming up with some really cool kind of innovation, not innovations, but we're hoping to broaden our reach by um, providing some free crossover support for 5e. Um, you know, people might prefer the game's 5e flavored, so yeah. the quick the quick start's been converted to 5e, um, right. and we're, we're building a stretch goal just to hopefully. Uh, translate the core book to 5e as well about mm. that so you know right. um, obviously right. try course my baby um, but I understand that D&D is a very popular platform these days for people to is engage it? in D&D? no never heard of it apparently um, so yeah uh, that's got, 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 got a small following somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah right. it, I mean it's not it's not about <laughs> no exactly no. <laughs> <laughs> but it will provide some so, oh, yeah, so yeah. your your tricore system, or what would you say uh, uh, the the sort of strengths, the things it does particularly well? Uh, like I say, I, uh, for me, it empowers that role playing with the keywords, um, and it's not kind of and the payback system as well. Um, I, I have a feeling that people are going to love it or hate it, but it's it it kind of engenders that you're not statically trying to swing at somebody and, and miss, or they swing at you and miss. Yeah. Um, there's an ebb and flow between you in, in either person's action, so. Um, you might take a mighty swing by drawing on a keywords, but it's that um, that kind of uh, risk and reward, I guess, where you've taken a mighty swing, but you've left yourself a small opening where they can use a little bit of payback from your role to maybe slip a, a blade in and, and catch you in return. Mm. Or, um, yeah, we're yeah. talking about combat here. I'm very keen to open you can up. You also do that socially, socially well, yeah. like you've overcommitted, yeah. overstepped the mark, and then someone's like able to turn yeah, on you. Completely, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, somebody's working on some really nice relationship um, aspects for us at the moment as well. You again drawn on keywords to be able to build bonds and relationships. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not trying to make it all combat driven. It's just it obviously it's Kings of War, and it's you know yeah. that's the kind of background well, it's come from. War and Kings yeah, of War. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know um, uh, the other kind of aspect we're giving back to the community is that the campaigns will provide options for them to be able to jump onto the battlefield and use their thousands of miniatures if they want to. Mm. So. True. At certain points, we can say, if you'd like to play this dungeon in Dungeon Saga, you can play in Dungeon Saga. If you'd like to do this skirmish in Vanguard, you can go and play in Kings of War Vanguard. Mm. If you'd like to do this oh. epic battle towards the end of the campaign in Kings of War, go and play it in Kings of War, and this is what happens if the outcome is good or bad. Uh, and obviously, not necessarily saying you have to do that, it's just give people the option to. Mm. I'm all about giving people options. So, so sort of like bridging the gap between war games and role playing games, allowing people to like maybe get a bit of finesse in there if you've got a group of really keen war gamers yeah. they can play the rpg and then if they've got like a big battle that comes up they can just like sort of slide into that and fight yeah. that out and uh so, so how, yeah. how much sort of cross oh, i suppose i'm looking for cross mechanical compatibility is there between the board game and and the rpg um so at, at tricor will always have a, a really light core system yeah um but around that, as we've developed specifically the Kings of War, uh, we've drawn on uh, you know certain common special abilities that are a theme throughout Dungeon Saga, um, Vanguard, and Kings of War. So it's easy to um, cross-platform between them. Um, you might not necessarily be able to take a character into Dungeon Saga and then, and then convert that Dungeon Saga into Kings of War, but you can certainly, some, certainly start from that same base into either of the platforms. Mm. So we've yeah we've we've drawn on and I used to be on well say used to be um, I kind of. Had a had a very steep induction into Kings of War by being on the Kings of War Vanguard Rules Committee. Yeah. Um, so it actually kind of helps that skirmish system develop um, since it first came out. So that's given me a really good insight into being able to 
port some of the stats across either way really. Um, so it's like we can use this in the RPG, but actually it will work either way. Um, so it's just getting that inside knowledge really. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I've I mean, not... I... Sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I'm just saying I've, I've never um, I've never played the board game. Can you sort of speak a little bit about the sort of premise of the board game and how? Um, so Dungeon Saga, uh, we, we mentioned Hero Quest earlier, and it's that kind of really light, lightweight, enjoyable theme. Um, yeah. We play it as a family, we can yeah. get out, set up, within 45 minutes you've smashed yeah. for a dungeon and, and hopefully yeah. gain some treasure. Nice. Um, and that's that's what the kind of idea for the RPG is that actually you can keep, if you only, you know, we're, we're I like to think, well, I don't like to think, um, it's kind of sad reflection. Do I want to use sad? I don't know. It's a reflection society that we're, we're generally time poor these days, aren't we? But, mm. um, you know, so much takes up our time. So it's a quick, fun game for busy people that can be played with all the family. You can really get stuck if you in have a role-playing game campaign running, and you can say, actually, we can't make a three-hour game or four-hour game tonight, um, but we can have a 45-minute dungeon raid that will yeah. still fit into the premise of the RPG campaign, then, then we're all good. You know, we still have a bit of fun with it, and it still has a get an effect overall in the... I will provide that flimsy pretext you need to get together with your mates. <laughs> Absolutely, right, that's true. Which, quite frankly, is what this is totally, really yeah. all about. Totally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're supposed to enjoy RPGs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Not just talk about them. Yeah. I thought I thought there was some yeah, kind yeah. of um, some kind of mental torture. <laughs> well, well, we didn't want to take. I mean, I, well, I did. Yeah. I did play in one of Peter's once. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, I was, try- I was trying to use this as a system. What's all this? Uh, yes, but you, you, dreadful you, you forgot system, to read yeah. the book first. <laughs> 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 what, uh, it's all basically gear D, right? <laughs> oh, dear. D- D6 is yeah, the same so as D20. Pro- probably in retrospect, yeah, ha- having a former NASA engineer in there, like, correcting me on my science. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah game. The person who's written the game, like, you know, former NASA engineer, but just like tech geeks, it's like, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. I'll be sure to get you to say Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think correcting science fiction on its science is uh, is a little unfair. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 it was the shit. I don't know why I said it would be going on the outside. It's short. No. So with Kings of War, um, you mentioned it's based on an existing IP, yeah. but can you tell us more about like the sort of the setting? Like, is it is it like strictly high fantasy? Is it uh, more of a low fantasy with like a like more? Is there more or less magic? Um, What's going on? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's. A, I'd say it's mid. Really, it's not either end of the scale. So. Um, hmm. You have magic users. Um, there are different schools of magic, yes. so ranging from kind of universal yeah. around to necromancy, sorcery, uh, mm-hmm. divinity. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they obviously mm-hmm. it's Kings of War, so they stride across battlefields, hurling around um, big spells that affect people. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've made that more mm-hmm. localized within the RPG. But um, mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, kind of magic items aren't uh, to a penny. You won't, you know, you, you have to go on quests to find them. Really, they're they're a massive uh, thing to be able to get hold of. You can't just Going. It's not a case of you're like, oh great, it's another plus one yeah. sword. I'll whack it in the exactly, all the yeah. others. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a mix of the two. And then there are, there are some really fantastic races um, from the abyssals who are who kind of crawl and tear themselves up through the big abyssal wound in, in the, the world. Um, Salamanders right. who are the you know, lizard folk. Mm-hmm. Um, various uh, kind of kindreds of elves. So different um, mm. different subsets of elves. 
Is it is important to have the right sort of prefix elves when you go? Yeah. People, people love elves. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's where that's the cool. kind of yeah. fantasy elements come in, which you know, it draws on all the. I'd say draws on all the tropes, but there are their own twists mm. on a lot of them. Okay, and, and you're going for more of a European? Is it more of a European flavour that's working, or are there other sort of cultural elements that can um, apply? I think. Well, I mean, the background's still evolving, and that's that's kind of the fun area that we've been able mm. to be part of the process of. Really, um, we've got a great collaboration to ourselves and Mantic. Mm-hmm. And, they, they've really expanded the law for version three, which is out soon. Um, so nice. yeah, there are there are you know, countries that have a kind of human um, medieval kind of that that feel theme to it. There are some uh, uh-huh. Greek Roman um, draws in, in other human countries, uh-huh. and then you have the kind of fantastical elves. Okay, so um, it's sort of a mixing yeah, of the classical uh, world and also like sort of mythology yeah, and yeah. Um, maybe even like fairy tales yes. sort of thing going on at the same time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It sounds like an interesting place to adventure. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's, there's huge scope to run campaigns all across the, the continent. Um, um, they mm-hmm. classified as a continent at the moment, and then I'm sure further down the line, they'll expand, expand mm. the world and introduce other elements. So nice. we'll see nice. where that goes. And also, just what, like one final question. Um, if there was one mechanic mm. from your game that you'd recommend someone else steal and use in their game, what would it be? Keywords. Oh, I love it. No hesitation. No, it, it does sound very strong, like the keywords in the PayPal yeah. system. Thank you. Could you, could you uh, yeah. give us an example of how the keywords work? Because you were describing them earlier, and I didn't quite grok it, but could you sort of yeah. give us sort of... Yeah, totally. Um, and I might actually steal a clip of this to, to <laughs> post up as a, <laughs> uh, an introduction to, do. To, for people yeah. to be able to uh, work through it. Um, so it's called Tricor, and as it's called, you have a base of 3D10. Um, and that's that's always been the kind of case, really, since, since way back before we started playing the system. Mm. So your di- your base dice pool will be three d ten, and it mm-hmm. fluctuates based on keywords. And some of the keywords can be most of them will be positive based on your s- stats or your skills, uh, traits as we call them. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them can be negative by um, through environmental effects that affect you know uh, surrounding you. Or so what sort of keywords might be expected to see? Um, so you like I mentioned stats. So if you're particularly strong um, and you're swinging your sword in combat, which is quite an easy one to relate to. Um, you, you'd say to the gem, I'm gonna, because I'm swinging my sword, I'm gonna draw upon strength surge, which is one of your keywords you've picked up in strength. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. so that adds a d10 to your dice ball. Yeah. So that your dice ball's up, up yeah, to 4d10. Yeah, you'd say, like, I'm very yeah. buff, or, like, you know, really sneaky, or extremely agile, yeah. all that sort of thing, or, like, you know, uh, silver tongued. Those would be things that you'd use in various yeah. situations to help you out. Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's like, so, so, yeah, a, key- so a keyword's basically kind of like a trait. Got- Sort of yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. Um, and you get them based yeah. on stats, and then you'll get them based on skills. So within your skills, you'll take a keyword. It could be something similar as survival tracking. Um, mm. So because you're mm. tracking somebody and you've got the keyword in tracking, you add another D10 to your Right, gotcha. Um, and then right. if you have a companion, that might be able to add a D10 in because it has, uh, you know, perception abilities itself, particularly yeah. uh, particularly well-honed piece of gear. That might add some D10s in. So um, it's about yeah. growing that dice ball, really, to, to um, expand your chance mm. of but the GM can also throw in negative yeah. keywords, like you know, um, you've like got shot by a fairy arrow, so you're elf yeah. shot, and that's like detracting from your ability to do stuff, and that's yeah. removing dice from dice. I am a big fan of mm-hmm. rather than having modifiers like plus one or plus two, mm-hmm. adding and removing dice, as you know from from what's old is new, mm-hmm. um, and um, mm-hmm. does two D twenty do that as well? 
you can add extra dice as well, can't you? So it adds them, yeah. Not, not yeah. so much to add them. To I, I just kind of like the tactile, physical feel of it. I mean, basically, mm. uh, advantage and disadvantage in D and D is that as well, isn't it? It's adding yeah. an extra. It's yeah. physically adding a dice rather yeah. than an abstract number yeah. in your head. Yeah. And I always feel that that's quite a powerful, mm. powerful way to to affect the probability. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a like pretty strong mechanic. It's used uh, in a variety of games. But, uh, it's a pretty unique implementation yeah. here. So. Yeah, I think tight is a keyword as well. Like I said earlier, it really helps players get into that role playing aspect. Yeah. You know, you can say I'm drawing on my strength surge, or mm. um, even some of the charisma base. Uh, exactly. Honeyed words is one another one that we uh, have, or celebrity uh, appeal for being yeah, particularly. Yeah. Uh, Quick witted, always good yeah. one. Hard to fizz wrap that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you want to talk about 2018 for a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because uh, you're literally uh-huh. starting today, so yes, uh, <laughs> jumping in head first there. So obviously you're not going to be sort of super familiar with all the sort of processes of the job yet. But mm. what's your sort of uh, background and history with 2018? You know, the comics as far back as I can remember, really. Um, back to the old kind of crinkly brown paper. Well, they're certainly brown paper and dogged now. Um, Two hundred years <laughs> that my dad used to hand me once he'd finished with them. You know. Mm. Or uh, classic stories, um, kind of first appearances in Nemesis, even, um, which I've mentioned before. Yeah. Real passion for me. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a real family DNA piece, really, for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I love both variants of the movies for different reasons. <laughs> Strong um, words. Probably, probably quite <laughs> they, intentionally. They, they are yes. quite different. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Controversial. But yeah, I can see where yeah. you're coming from. So, so as, as the 2080 line manager, is there anything that you are hoping to bring into the role-playing game? Uh, as in setting-wise? Or yeah, anything setting-wise. Oh. Well, we, I mean, we've had a chat <laughs> over us, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, we have mentioned that we'd like to visit some of the lesser than one. Mm. Um, mm. I'd like definitely like to see ABC Warriors across the years. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, pretty awesome, mm-hmm. uh, because they've pretty much been part of every uh, major 2080 title at some point you know from J- just read onwards in, in mm. terms of timeline yeah um slani you know slani i'd love to slain slani how you like to say uh, we i thought, say slani I, I thought it was slain but i'd say I, slain i've never actually yeah, heard it said yeah. aloud by anyone with with, with, with the authority to, to, uh, yeah <laughs> to dictate it so who knows it's just i was probably something i picked up from my dad yeah. when it's like that um yeah. <laughs> slain would be uh, epic we Big chap, vaguely yeah. Celtic. Um, all the women have like massive yeah. 80s hair. Uh, <laughs> he's got two handed axe, yeah. you know. Um, and m- yeah. Mutates. We know the chap you yeah. mean. <laughs> um, yeah, Nemesis uh, again would be epic. And you know, Darren was second person about that since uh, really. Yeah, I think uh, what we've got, we've got Rogue Trooper and yeah, we've got yeah. Strontium Dog already underway. Yeah. And of yeah, course, right. we've got. Was there, was, there, was there a talk of a film in the works? Or uh, it's a rogue trooper film coming by Duncan Jones, who mm. is David Bowie's son. Yep. Ah, yeah. yeah. He made, uh, so, he made yeah. Moon, do you remember that? Oh, yes, and with Sam Rockwell. the World uh, of Warcraft yes. movie. Oh, oh two, right. very, very, really two very different really movies. Yeah. But, but both are pretty well done. So, yeah, that's quite yeah, He's doing Rogue Trooper. Um, so, hopefully, we're going to get Rogue Trooper yeah. out by then so, so we can cash in on some of that well I think we're kind of done for the actual podcast um, so thank you everybody for listening it has been a pleasure as always thank you to our guest Mark for coming on and sharing all this information about um, Devil's Run and Kings of War with us 
Uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. So it's goodbye from me, Russ. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild of Rock Players. And it's goodbye from me, Mark Langworthy, from Red Scar and now in publishing. Bye, everyone. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.